podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm well my friend. I'm ready to talk about what happened on Match Day 26 uh, in the league. Some really, really important results. Not least... El Clasico on Sunday night, which saw Barcelona beat Real Madrid by two goals to one to move 12 points clear at the top of the table. Uh, Before that, on Friday, we saw Athletic Club uh, win 3-1 at Valladolid, a really important victory for the Basques. On Saturday, Almeria and Cadiz playing out a 1-1 draw. Cadiz yet again conceding an injury time penalty. Rio and Girona played out their second 2-2 draw of the season, while Celta went to Espanyol and beat them by three goals to one. Gary Vega scored again. He is absolutely rubbish, paying no attention to him at all. And then Atletico Madrid beat Valencia by three goals to nil at the Civitas Metropolitano. Is it absurd to suggest that Atletico are playing the best football of any team in La Liga at the moment. More on that in uh, in just a second. Then on Sunday, Betis beat Mallorca by a goal to nil. Villarreal eased the pressure on Kike Setien somewhat by winning 3-0 at Osasuna, but the victory came at a cost with Gerard Moreno picking up uh, an injury. Uh, Real Sociedad ended their seven-match winless streak by beating bottom club Elche 2-0. That meant Pablo Machin got sacked. As Elche manager, Elche, they're on course for potentially more managers than points this season. Um, Tongue in cheek, (laughs) but not far off. Uh, Getafe won the massive game at the bottom of the table. They beat Sevilla by two goals to nil, an extraordinarily big result uh, in the battle to avoid relegation. And Sevilla are staring down the barrel of relegation. They are really in the thick of it and they can't seem to get themselves out. Then the final game of the match they saw uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid play out. A highly entertaining El Clasico. Uh, We'll have a a Q&A pod out for patrons tomorrow and a bonus podcast and... A brand new episode of Rincón Cultural, our new series where we talk about life in Spain and answer your questions, which is out this week for patrons. And look out for a re-release of another classic TSFP Presents Super Seasons episode right here on the Monday podcast feed. This one is one of the most dramatic La Liga seasons ever, 2006-2007. But all the bonus pod content is over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Come and join us from around four euros a month. We think you'll like it. So to the Clasico then, which Barcelona ended up by winning uh, 2-1. Madrid went ahead after uh, Vinicius's cross was deflected into his own net by Ronald Araujo. Barcelona coming from behind, Sergio Roberto scoring right on the stroke of half-time. And Frank Kessier scoring in injury time at the end of the second half uh, to give Barca that very important victory. It could have gone... The other way, it very nearly did go the other way. Marco Asensio had a a goal millimetrically ruled out for offside with with seven minutes to go. I mean, this this was a game that that, that could have gone either way, Sydney, but it didn't. And I think it's fair to say now there is no league. I think we probably can say that there's no league, can't we? Um, Much... Much as we'd like to claim that there's still a really fascinating league title race that's open, I think there probably isn't. Thibaut Courtois was asked about it after the game, wasn't he? And he he sort of said, well, yeah, look, we have to be honest. Um, you never say that anything is completely impossible, but it was it, we're four games behind them now. You know, they, they would have to win absolutely everything. Barcelona would have to lose four times. And that's 
not going to happen, or at least it's 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 almost impossible to imagine a scenario in which it happens. And 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 you're right, the the dividing line is quite thin. In some cases, it's quite literally a thin dividing line because, of course, it was a dividing line for an offside that was pretty close when Asensio scored. And and this is, you know, that was the change between this being a a six point lead with Real Madrid having the head to head advantage and very much a, a title race and twelve points, and it's basically done. It is basically that dividing line. Um, phrase that was very good. Was that in your match report? Uh, yes. Ah, very good. I haven't read the I'm match report. Pleased, I was quite pleased. Like, so, that was sometimes, very good. sometimes the sometimes the line that the the line is a very fine one, and on this occasion, it certainly was a a very fine one. Yeah, <laughs> very good indeed. Well done, Sin. You're really quite good at this. Um, let's talk about the game. <laughs> it, the, the game itself, because as we said, it it, it could have gone either way. Uh, really, uh, Real Madrid seemed pretty well. Organised, uh, I thought, in terms of uh, holding Barcelona uh, at bay. Barca started uh, really well um, before the uh, setback of uh, conceding that 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 goal. And but Real Madrid seemed pretty organised and seemed to seemed to have them um, at bay until until Sergio Roberto got that goal right right on the stroke of half time, which seemed to be pretty key. Yeah, I thought this was one of those games that can kind of justify almost any conclusions that are drawn um, <laughs> by which I mean I think you, I think Xavi can argue as he did that they were the better team that Barcelona had better chances that they dominated the game and that, that justice was done when they won it and I think you can make that case and I think you can make that case quite convincingly I think you can also though make the case that says that Real Madrid could have won it that Real Madrid were in it that Real Madrid didn't necessarily feel enormously under pressure. I think the best of the Barcelona chances were actually in the first half. And yet, of course, it took until the very last touch of the first half for Barcelona to come level. So I think it was one of those games that, that very definitely couldn't have fallen each, could have fallen either way. And I suppose one of the simplest ways of, of framing this is to say that I don't know about you, but that when Marco Asensio scored, I felt, well, that was always going to happen. Mm. You know, it felt like the inevitable conclusion to the game. Now, obviously, it turned out not to be the inevitable conclusion because the the goal was ruled out and then Barcelona scored themselves, what was it, seven minutes later. But at that point, it felt like the inevitable conclusion. And yet it's also true, I think, and Xavi tried to make this point, that while Real Madrid um, kind of put a little bit more pressure on them, while Real Madrid went for them a little bit, there weren't many, really, that very many really clear chances. So you get the the one that Rodrigo has very soon after coming on, which he he strikes a long way over the bar, mm. really didn't take it well at all. There's one for Benzema on the edge of the area, again, a good shooting position, but it's a relatively weak shot. But it's not that Madrid created really good chances, but they it felt to me at least that they, they got to the Barcelona area a bit too easily. They Once they got through that first bit of press from Barcelona, they would have a lot of space through the midfield to run. And, and so the idea that Barcelona, despite having more of the ball, despite having more chances, despite... Dis, I mean, despite... Look, the scenario was that Barcelona didn't need to win and Real Madrid did. Mm. And yet Barcelona played the second half more like the team looking for the victory. And yet I always kind of felt that that search from Barcelona might ultimately be the best thing that could happen to Real Madrid to give them the chance to run the counter-attack. And so when, when Asensio scored... I must admit, my first reaction was, well, that's exactly the way I could see this going. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as I say, because of that fine dividing line, it wasn't to be. 
Uh, what did we think of Vinicius against Ronald Araujo round two? Because Araujo deployed it at right back to try and uh, to try and control him. Some differing uh, analyses of uh, of how that went, um, uh, not least on the channel that uh, that I was working for, La Liga TV, uh, where uh, some of us thought that uh, Vinicius didn't necessarily have his best game, and, and and others thought that actually he did really quite well. Well, I, I, in a way, I suppose Your Honour, I I I refer you to my previous answer. Because in a way, I think that this mm. battle was one of those where you could see it from both sides. Because I thought, I, above all else, I fundamentally felt that what we saw in this battle was two really good players, um, two really good players. In one case, one going at the other. The other, the other case, obviously, one trying to defend him. Um, both of whom I think came out of this game with a degree of of credit. Both of whom will feel that, given what they were up against, and actually that's exactly the phrase that Ancelotti used. And I really quite like that because I think this this isn't always recognised. He said, considering the quality of the player that Vinicius was against, I thought he had a great game. Now I wouldn't go so far as to say a great game, but I felt that Vinicius was. Madrid's best attacking outlet I think at times and this is obviously a recurring issue it's not just about this game he was Madrid's only attacking outlet and I think there is a tendency for Real Madrid to go left all the time and sometimes you know I think it's it's a bit obvious what they're going to do which isn't to say it's easy to stop because I think Vinicius is brilliant and I think Vinicius looked like he was going to make things happen didn't quite do so only really sort of properly got away from Araujo a couple of times but I really admire his insistence. I admire the fact that this is a player who goes at you and then keeps on going and keeps on going. And even if he's had a bad game, the next time he picks the ball up, he'll try and do it again. And so in that sense, I think by the end of this game, I felt like actually what we'd seen was a really good battle between two really good players in which I think both of them can claim to have had a good game if if maybe, maybe Vinicius, given how dangerous he is normally, will feel that he didn't produce as much as, as he normally would. Everyone loves a trier, Sydney. Yes, and if that trier is, yes. is, is extremely talented as well, then so much the better. Um, some cr- criticism of, of, of Carlo Ancelotti in that he waited too long to make the uh, substitutions. Rodrigo and Ferland Mendy came on in the 62nd minute, uh, then Thebayo Asensio and Tramini came on in the 76th minute, and after that triple substitution, obviously they were chasing the game and they, they had, to, uh, had to go for it a, a little bit, but they did seem to be a lot more energy about Real Madrid yeah I mean you've you've put the caveat in for me and this is one of the reasons why I'm not entirely sure how to judge this because I think there's no doubt that they had more energy that they had more I suppose ambition for want of a better word that they that they went for Barcelona a little bit more once those changes had been made but I agree with the way that you framed it I sort of suspect that would have happened anyway because as time runs out, that ambition would have been forced upon them. That They would have had no choice but to do that. That said, I do think that looking at that midf- midfield throughout this game, there were times when I felt that, that doubt that we always have in the back of our minds, have a brilliant Mos- uh, Moss and Krodrich, I've done it again, Cross and Modric are, that there's sometimes maybe... Uh, an energy question, particularly what is it four days after having played against Liverpool in the Champions League? It did look like a, a slightly sluggish midfield to me. It looked like a midfield that maybe lacked a little bit of urgency. Um, but again, I don't know if that's a, a physical question or, or a mental one or a time in the game kind of question. And of course, look, had Asensio's goal counted? Now, obviously, I'm, this isn't an argument about whether it was the right decision, by the way, because it very clearly was the right decision. Um, but had his goal counted, this is how fine the line can be, then would we sit, be sitting here now and thinking, 
well, they got that right, didn't they, tactically? You know, they, they held on to the game long enough and made the changes just in time to get that chance and win it. Mm. Um, but I do understand the argument that says that some of the things that we could see in that midfield, we could see really quite early. And it did feel like that those changes could perhaps have come a little bit sooner. Watching El Clasico, Sid, do you not get nostalgic, but do you realise that I mean, at the risk of shooting ourselves in the foot here, because El Clasico is the big thing that Spanish <laughs> yeah. football has to has to has to offer. But do, you, do you get the feeling like, listen, the quality isn't as high as it used to be anymore? Granted, we can't argue. We can't argue about that. There aren't necessarily the best players in the world in almost every position anymore. Fine. Although there are some really, really good players, and if you do a world eleven, yeah. there's quite a few of them that are quite possibly getting in from 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 these two clubs. Um, but yet, it's still quite a thrill. Quite a thrilling spectacle, given everything that surrounds this fixture. So even though the quality isn't as high as it once was, it still remains this dramatic, thrilling spectacle, particularly at the moment as well, with everything that's going off on the pitch. It just felt really quite, really quite dramatic yesterday. If you may, because I was in the camp now and I was at the pitch and it sort of heightens the drama and everything. But it, it still feels like while this fixture might not have it in terms of uh, technical ability and, and quality, it, it certainly lives up to the billing of, uh, of drama and excitement. Yeah, I, and obviously, look, part of that is what we kind of what we impose upon it ourselves what we project onto it because we know that this is big we know these are two massive massive clubs we know it's the 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 most significant rivalry in in football we know all of those kind of things we know the depth of feeling we know all the symbolism we know everything and so we, we, we know all that because we've read your book well yes right. obviously chapter six in particular yes, yes. and and you know you, yes. you you so you do go into it kind of ready for those things to hit you and 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 therefore maybe mm. maybe they hit you more although sometimes you can get a bit blase about it i thought this was a really enjoyable game mm. as well and i think it was an enjoyable game partly because of what was riding on it so those last 15 minutes were really quite wild it was surprised yeah. how much Barcelona seemed to be pushing for a for a winner. How much space, obviously, that then gave Real Madrid to go pushing for a winner, if maybe a little bit on the counter-attack. But the game swung a lot from one end to the other. We all knew that the difference between Madrid getting the winner and Barca getting the winner was basically, that's the league title or not. Now, obviously, there was no way that you, even if Madrid had won, that you'd be saying, right, Madrid will definitely win the league now because they still had two more games to claw back on Barcelona. But I think I think the sense of jeopardy, the sense of being on a knife edge, and at times the quality of some of the football was, was really, really good yesterday. It's true that, certainly in the first half, um, when Barcelona actually made three or four pretty good chances and, and it took until half-time, which was a bit of a surprise for them, for them to get the equaliser. But for a lot of that first half, I kind of watched it and thought, Without Pedri, they sometimes lack a bit of subtlety. It felt a little bit to me like the, the quality of the possession was okay. Then they would get to areas in which they would be, oh, now what? Now we put the cross in. And and I even say this of Rafinha, who was without doubt, I think, the Barcelona player who most most attacked Madrid, most carried the game to Madrid, most determined seemed to be to try to make things happen. Even with him, there was a tendency sometimes to get to a position, cut back and put that same cross into the box, which occasionally was close to coming off. Uh, a couple of times wasn't close to coming off, but didn't actually come off uh, until they scored. And actually it wasn't his cross when that happened. Of course, it was it was a, a first ball in from the left and the second ball was was at Aujo. But I enjoyed it. And, and, I, and I thought this was a better Clasico than ones we've seen recently. But it's true... You know, the, the context that you gave is absolutely right. The quality of this is not what it was. And this is the game we used to say, and not all that long ago, this game somehow always delivers. The last two or three, it hasn't, mm. it hasn't really. I thought this one, it probably did. 
Tell you what, Sid, I hadn't been to the camp now in about seven years. It is really quite shockingly old and decrepit. Yeah, they really do need to do the work on it because uh, it's it's yeah. I mean, you know, I go to lots of other grounds and uh, around Spain. Hadn't been to this one for a while, and it really does stand out. Obviously, there's there's something special about it in terms of the size and the magnitude, and you know, we like the fact that it's in a residential area and everything, but. Gee, wow, it is quite, quite, quite shocking how old it is yeah. and seemingly falling apart. So yeah, they they do need to do the work that is impending uh, on it. Yeah, um, the question is, uh, question is how we'll long have... that takes, I guess, and how much money it costs, and and what the what the what, you know what the imp- impact of doing so is on them in the end. It's going to take a long time, see, and it's going to cost a lot of money. So exactly, I think you know, yes. we can yeah. <laughs> we can answer that. Um, a quick word: I will have time, obviously, to reflect on this uh, a lot more as and when it becomes official. But how big an achievement is this uh, imminent title win for Xavi, given where the team were? when he took over and I think it's important to to remember that yeah and he made this point yesterday and I think he's quite right to make it Barcelona finished 12 points behind Real Madrid last season after the Clasico at the start of this season they were they were three points behind them they'd had a good start to the season they'd only dropped points once which was the opening day against Rai Vallecano then they lost to Real Madrid and it felt a little bit comfortable for Madrid that first Clasico and I must confess at that point Madrid three points clear the nature of that game I thought you know, this is going to be a relatively easy title win for Real Madrid. Honest, honestly, did think that. And for Barcelona to not just be in the lead now, but to be 12 points in the lead with 12 games to go. You know, you look at the statistics and you look at it from that point of view and you look even just at something as simple as the date. We're still in March. This league runs into June and it's done. And that is an enormous achievement. The curious thing about it is it's a little bit counterintuitive because... When you look at statistics that good, when you look at a lead that big, you think, wow, this has been a title race that they have just dominated Barcelona. They've picked up so many points because they have. Bear in mind that um, Real Madrid are actually not far off uh, averaging out, if they continue at this rate, to the same number of points they won the league with last year. The difference is that Barcelona have gone from mm. from from a, a trajectory that would take them took them last year. I think they finished on seventy six points. I think it is or seventy seven. This year they're on course for ninety nine. That's the change, and mm. and yet as I say, you know, the you look at it from a statistical point of view and think this is a, a league in which they've dominated, which they've won well every week. You know, because their numbers are so so good. They've only dropped points twice. They've only conceded two goals at the Camp Nou all season. One of them's a penalty, and the other's an own goal. That is a really dominant team. And you think, well, actually, we've watched them. And they haven't been a dominant team and they haven't been this team that's miles better than everybody else. Although I think they probably have been the best team in the league this season. But they haven't been this team that's miles better than anyone else. And they haven't been winning in a way that makes you think, wow, this is an amazing team. So much so that, for example, nine of the last 12 games, they've won by a single point. They've won one nil nine times. This in is a team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is This is really... You know, this is a very different type of Barcelona. Now, I think there's an enormous amount of um, credit to that and a huge merit to having the pragmatism to, to get those results in games when they wouldn't necessarily, to be, if you like, countercultural to their own approach, that Xavi has seen 
I think that some of the things that he wanted to do didn't work and has embraced solutions to that, sometimes a little slower than other times. And I've said before that I thought he was a little slow to see it at Ojo. I thought he was a little reluctant to begin with to play Gavi as an extra midfielder rather than just as an option of one of the three midfielders. I think, of course, in the summer they were trying to encourage De Jong to go and he's been really, really important alongside Sergio Busquets. But I think there has been an adaptation which I think speaks to intelligence. Um, yes, there's been moments when they've been a bit fortunate. Yes, it's true that sometimes you've watched games that they've won 1-0 and thought, I'm not actually that sure about them. I'm not sure that they're that good. But there is definitely something there. And certainly earlier in the season, we looked at that good defensive record and we thought, this doesn't make sense. They're not that great defensively. But I think if you look collectively, if you, if you take defensive you know, records as... As, as being a consequence of the collective quality of their defending. I think the last seven or eight weeks has been really very good indeed. 301 days the last time uh, that uh, um, Ter Stegen conceded a goal from open play. Uh, was, yeah, it was uh, Moy Gomez last year. It really is extraordinary. It's an amazing record. As I say, I mean, I think it's worth noting that at the start of this season we did... You know, we genuinely did look at their their defensive record and think we can't really see why. Um, Ter Stegen is making amazing saves, but but genuinely, I think that has settled. And I think Christensen's been really good. I think Balde's been really good. Araujo, of course, has been been fantastic. Jules Kunde is the one that maybe you would think hasn't performed at, at his level, possibly. But then, of course, that's to do with the fact that he's played out of position for a lot of the season, and even then, he's performed reasonably well. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, off the pitch, he's been spectacular. <laughs> if you see his, 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 his outfit, my word. Go and, go and Google what he wore to the Camp Nou last night. Absolutely extraordinary. He appeared to be wearing the shoulders and the, the lapels of about five jackets at once. He pulled it off. I don't know what it was, but he pulled yeah, it he off, did. whatever he was yeah. wearing. He looked, uh, he looked yeah. cool as hell. Um, the, the, the nature of this rivalry is such that it's, 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 it's almost funny, isn't it, that Barcelona are probably going to win the league. They've already won the Spanish Super Cup and there's a good chance they win the Copa del Rey as well. That would be an extraordinarily good season if they win all three of those trophies. And yet, if Real Madrid go and win a, another unlikely Champions League title, it kind of all gets eclipsed, doesn't it? This, this rivalry is really yeah. so conditioned by what the other other team does. It's not just an, it's not just about winning. You've got to make sure that the other team doesn't win at all, loses, you know? Um, and, if, yeah. and if the other yeah. team hasn't lost the season, then you can't pop, prob- properly have won either. So um, anyway, let's see, uh, let's see what happens with that. Uh, let's move on and talk about some of the uh, other things uh, in, uh, in La Liga. If there's anything that we didn't mention, ask us a question. We will answer it on the Q&A pod tomorrow for, for patrons. Uh, you were at the... Metropolitano said, and were treated to another sumptuous performance from Atletico as they beat Valencia 3-0. They haven't lost in La Liga since January the 8th, Atletico Madrid, and that was to that was to Barcelona. The headline, I think it was in Marca or Ass this morning, was El Atletico de Tiki Taka. They're playing mm. some really extraordinarily good football. They've got some of their some of their best footballers are on 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 right at the top of their game, which I guess helps in terms of the analysis really good players are playing really well but it's true they they they, they for a long time I haven't really enjoyed watching Atletico Madrid. Genuinely, it's not like you sit down, you watch them, and they're an entertaining side. Last few weeks, they've been scoring goals, playing really nice, free-flowing football. Okay, against some relatively limited uh, opposition, and Valencia are that, and Sevilla are that, the team that they beat 6-1 a couple of weeks ago. But still, 
They're doing really, really well. Yeah, they are. Um, I think there's a there's a rhythm to their game. There's a pace to their game, uh, an aggression that that wasn't there before. I think there's a sense of the the pieces falling into place, the players understanding each other. I think the freedom of of Griezmann is really important, but obviously one of the elements that goes with the freedom of any player, in this case him, is that the other players need to know how to play around it. And it feels like Atletico have got that bit right now. I think for quite a lot this season, even while his own individual performances have been good, I've sometimes felt that Atletico have had a problem with not knowing exactly where Griezmann is. You know, one week he plays midfield, another week he's off the forward, then he's the right side of the two forwards, then he's the left side of the two forwards. Occasionally he's even the actual number nine. And it feels like the bits around him, those that orbit him, um, for want of a better phrase, I think have started to, to kind of fall into place. There is what appears to be a collective spirit that wasn't there before. I know it's too easy but I think some of the departures in the winter window, it's, it's a slightly facile conclusion this, but I think some of the departures in the winter window uh, did them did them some good. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's too much doubt about that. Uh, they, if, if, they shipped out all the Portuguese speakers. Yes. And and I don't think that's entirely chance. And and I I don't want to I don't want to tread too far in that direction because I think it's too easy and I think it, it it's too accusatory. But I think there's there's an element of that because bear in mind that sometimes it's not tangible. It's not an obvious answer, but there are there are elements that help to explain how a team performs. It's, it was interesting. I, I don't know if you saw the post game interview with um, Marco Llorente after the game at the at the weekend, and and he said he was asked basically why are you so essentially why are you good now when you were rubbish before, and he basically said I don't really know. We, we we don't feel like we're doing anything differently. It just feels like it's right now. It feels like it's working. Um, it's coming off for us. But there isn't always a reason. We were doing the hard work before. We wanted to win before. But sometimes there's not necessarily a tangible argument for it. You're right as well. That of course, the context is who they've played. Um, it, the, the, the disappointing thing, of course, is that all this comes too late. Because they're not going to win the league now. They're already out of the Copa del Rey. Because this is a team that there's no doubt about it. It's a team that can win the Copa del Rey. There's no doubt about it. It's a team that should have at, at least dropped into the Europa League and then you would say they're a team that can win the Europa League, even if we don't think they're a team that would probably have won the Champions League or would, would necessarily have gone more than a couple of rounds in the Champions League. Um, but they're playing really, really well now and, it, and the whole atmosphere around them feels completely different now. Certainly does. I'm looking forward to see what they can do. They're only five points behind Real Madrid now. Yeah. Obviously, they've uh, they've played them for this uh, for this season, so it would need Real Madrid to really take their eye off the ball and for Atletico to continue this good run of form. But yeah, keep your eye on that because uh, they're certainly on an upward trajectory. They take on Real Betis uh, uh, next uh, next weekend, so uh, that should be a that should be one to watch. A quick word on what happened in Vallecas, <laughs> Rio two, Girona two. You missed this game because you were at. Leganes watching the mighty Oviedo win there, which was um, which was good for you. Uh, you missed a, a quite extraordinary first half uh, in Vallecas, uh, which um, which was two one to Rio. It really should have been three one, but Rio somehow managed to contrive to miss a penalty twice. Firstly, Oscar Trejo had his uh, penalty saved. But there was encroachment, so the referee said, take the penalty again. So Oscar Trejo took the penalty again, but instead of shooting, he laid it off for Isi Palazón to run into the box and then blaze it over the 
bar. You remember this happened a yeah. few years ago with uh, Messi and Suarez, and they they did it a little bit better than than Trejo and Nisi Palazón afterwards, and Doni Raúl uh, saying, "I didn't had no idea about this. No one had consulted with me about this. They." They hadn't trained this at all, uh, so I don't know what was going on here. If you haven't seen it, go and go and see it because it's one of the uh, the eye catching moments of the weekend and perhaps the season as well. Raya do have a bit of a problem when it comes to when it comes to scoring penalties. I think they've missed five now uh, this season, which is which is not ideal. But still, uh, it was a highly entertaining game, living up to the hashtag, the newly invented hashtag. Always watch Girona, always watch them because they score and they concede. Plenty of goals. So yes, yeah, Sid, you missed a you missed a good game there. Yeah, and 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 the two goals that Rio did score were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And this one would have been even better. Um, I wonder what the st- does the stat show this as a missed penalty? I suppose they have to, don't they? But it he, depends. But he doesn't actually take a shot. Yeah, I, I, I've I've seen it different on different. Um, on different uh, websites. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, um, right. Yeah, yeah uh, it depends. And, and I, I don't know what the league says. Yeah. To be fair, if you have a problem scoring penalties, which, as you say, and Raya said, Raya Vaya cannot do, then actually trying this is not necessarily a bad idea. Uh, and it's extraordinary that the shot went over the bar. Admittedly, the, 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 the touch from Trejo is a little bit too far forward or a little further forward, I think, than, than Issy was expecting. It gives the keeper time to get quite close to him. And I think Issy probably hits it harder than he needs to. Um, and, and it you know it flies over by maybe a couple of inches or, or something. But it was it's a brilliant moment. I quite liked Inala's comment after he said, you know, if that had gone in, it's genius. Um, but the butt hung very heavy. And he said, you know, he said he did actually mm. say something along the words of along the lines of we've got to talk about this or we've got to think about this. I don't mm. think he was very impressed. No. He wasn't very impressed. I don't think Raya fans were very impressed either. I know Ryan fans weren't very impressed either, but still. Do you know uh, what? Do you know what? Long run, long run they will be, right? Seriously, long run they will be. Now, football is all about moments and something a bit different. And if I'm a Rio fan, although on Saturday I might have been pissed off that that didn't go in, and particularly when you then don't win the game. Do you know what? In five years' time, I'll think, that was brilliant, wasn't it, when they did that penalty? Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know about brilliant. Maybe, maybe they can see the funny side of it in a, in, a, in a few years' time. As long as they, as long as they stay up, which uh, they almost certainly win a, a point closer to safety for uh, for Raya. Uh, before we go, a uh, quick word on the Segunda leaders: Abar playing away at Mirandes this evening. Granada and Las Palmas are both a point behind them. Granada won two one at Albacete on Saturday, and Las Palmas lost four one at Tenerife in the Canaries derby. Levante, Alaves, and Albacete are in the playoff spots. Oviedo won one nil at Leganes, as we said, to give themselves a six-point cushion on the relegation zone. Uh, this week, it's international break time, and we've got Spain versus Erling Haaland and Martin Odegaard's Norway to look forward to, or be afraid of, in Malaga on Saturday. Uh, we'll discuss Luis de la Fuente's first Spain squad in this week's uh, bonus pod and look forward to that big game as well. So make sure you're joining us, patreon.com forward slash T-S-F-P. And if you don't want to, that's all right. We won't hold it against you. What we will do is produce another free podcast for you next Monday. Adios, amigos. Cheerio.
Podcast Network.